are glad that you joined us today. God wants to do so much for you and through you, and we want to hear about it. If you've been impacted by Fuel Church, share your story with us by emailing mystory at thefuelchurch.com. And to learn more about our worship experiences, visit our website at www.thefuelchurch.com. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Uh, tonight, we have a lot of ground to cover. We're going to hit three more words that Jesus spoke. I'll spend a little more time on uh, uh, one of the words than I will the others, and uh, that's intentional because uh, we just don't have enough time to really unpack all the words like I want to. Uh, I really need uh, eat, uh, each word to, to be able to deliver it on a, a one service, like a Sunday, so I have a half hour, 40 minutes. Uh, however long to deliver that, but our our calendar just doesn't allow us to do that this time. So I will deliver these next three words, but I'll spend more time here on this second word that Jesus spoke than the others. And uh, so stay with me. Let's go to Luke chapter 23, Luke chapter 23, verse 39. If you don't have a Bible, we have have the scriptures here on the screens for you. We'll be reading out the NLT version. It says this, one of the criminals hanging beside him scoffed. So you're the Messiah, are you? Prove it by saving yourself and us too while you're at it. But the other criminal protested. Don't you fear God even when you've been sentenced to die? We deserve to die for our crimes, but this man hasn't done anything wrong. Then he said, Jesus, the one criminal said, Jesus, remember me. Can we say those two words? Remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus replied, I assure you, today you will be with me in paradise. Here Jesus is. He's hanging on a cross. There's three crosses this day. Jesus is in the middle. There's a criminal on the right and there's a criminal on the left. Known criminals in those days. One of the criminals was hostile towards God. One turned to Jesus for mercy. There's still two answers for the cross. Amen. Some deny it. Some receive it. Every week, people get an opportunity here to receive the message of the cross, the message of salvation. They have an opportunity to receive it or deny it. There is still only two answers to the cross. So what is Jesus telling us here in these second words that he speaks? Even as he is hurting and exhausted and he is definitely inconvenienced while he is bolted to this splintering cross... He's giving us his life mission. Someone say life mission. He's saying this. I came to seek and to save those who are lost. Did you hear it? Two criminals both deserve to die. One curses Jesus. One says, Jesus, will you remember me? I I, want to believe. Here he is nailed to a cross accepting Jesus into his life, into his heart. Jesus responds to him, I assure you today you will be with me in paradise. Jesus' life mission is projected in this second saying on the cross, this second word. He says, I I came to seek and to save those who are lost. He's saying this, Don't give up on the lost no matter how corrupt they are. 
He's saying, don't give up no matter how messed up people are. Never give up on them. Don't count them out. And if lost people matter to God, then lost people matter to us. Hmm? So he gives the word, the second word, a word of salvation. A word of salvation. Someone say that with me. A word of salvation. It's the reason we exist here. Fuel Church exists so that people near and far from God can be filled with the grace and what? Hope found in who? Jesus Christ. It's the reason we're here as a church and we're going to be unapologetic about our mission and our, and our, and our life mission and our, and our vision of Fueled Church. We're going to present the gospel in the most authentic and the most creative and the most excellent way possible. It's what fuel is all about. The word of salvation. It's why we exist. We want people to turn to God, to receive his forgiveness, and to live in the joy of their salvation. A word of salvation he gives to this criminal. Hmm? This this is why our Sunday services, our Sunday worship experiences is what we call them, are designed for the lost to feel like they have a place that they belong. Right? We, we want them to come into an atmosphere where they feel like they belong. And it, it, if we have to dim the lights a little bit because they're a little nervous and they've never been to church and this is their first experience or maybe they've been burnt out or they got a bad taste in their mouth and they're a little shy, then, then whatever we got to do to create an atmosphere for the lost to come in, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. We are the church and we exist for the world. We do not exist for ourselves. And we, in the church at large, not this church, but in the, in the big C church, we have this whole uh, consumer mentality that church is all about us and it's about meeting every one of my needs. And, and we consume and we consume and we consume. But here at Fuel Church, we are not consumers. We are, we are spiritual contributors, is what we say. We are contributors. We're here to reach the lost. We're here to give a word of salvation. And if we have to do 50 Easter festivals, come on, somebody. If we have to do 50 trunk or treat events, if we have to do 100 Christmas Eve services, whatever we have to do to reach the lost, we're going to do it. We're going to do it. Whatever it costs, we're going to do it. Whatever we have to do to see this word of salvation come forth, we're going to do it. Why? Because every human being, every person, no matter their race or their culture or their economic status, every person deserves an opportunity to be saved and to hear the word of salvation. No matter where they've been, no matter what they've done, no matter how many times they've done it and who they've done it with. They deserve an opportunity to respond to the gospel just like you and I had an opportunity to respond. You can see which word I'm going to zone in on more than the others tonight. Because I believe this is so important. He first gives them a word of forgiveness, and he gives us that word as well. And now he gives us a word of salvation. It's like Jesus was saying salvation and forgiveness kind of go together. Don't they? 
Hmm? Every person deserves an opportunity to respond. And just as it happened, instantly, think about this. This criminal was in his last moments on planet Earth. His last breaths were about to be received, inhaled, exhaled. And all of a sudden, in an instant, he's secure. He responds to salvation. You see, you don't know what God can do in an instant with your loved one, with your husband, with your aunt, with your grandpa, with your uncle, with your spouse. You don't know. They could change in a moment. When God shows up and the presence of God wrecks their life, there's nothing that our God can't do. Don't you ever give up on somebody who seems too far from God. Don't you ever throw in the towel. Don't you ever quit praying for them. I am a product of a praying mom who didn't give up on me because all through my teenage years, I was a mess into drugs, into alcohol, into women. And my, wife, my, my mother began to pray and she would hit her knees. And no matter what it looked like, she never gave up on me. Thank God. Do you thank God she never gave up on me? I may not be here today if it wasn't for her. Don't give up on him. Just like this criminal, all of a sudden his life is over, he thinks, but then now he's got a new life. Jesus said all this guy needed was these words. Listen to this. This was the greatest news. This was the best news that he could get. Jesus says, surely you're going to be with me in paradise. He's like, good, I'm gone, boom. I needed. Say, 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 say. And someone's last breath on earth, you don't know what they're praying in their spirit. No, no, no. I will never place someone in heaven or hell. That's not my role. That's not my role. That's, that's between the Father. But we don't know. The Bible says the secret things belong to the Lord. We don't know what someone prayed in their last moments on earth. A word of salvation comes forth. A word of salvation. And just like that, this man's eternity is with Christ. You remember that you and I were under that same sentence as these criminals. Do you remember that our sins deserved full punishment? Do you remember that we had no hope of getting out, but Jesus remembered us? He said, remember me, Jesus. Remember me. And this is what it means to be saved. It's a Greek word, sozo. It means salvation for my soul, healing for my body, and prosperity for my life. It's a three-part word. Salvation for my soul. That my eternity set the moment I call upon the name of the Lord, I'm saved. I'm saved. I'm saved. It's to be delivered from the dungeon where we deserve to be placed. It's to not be forgotten by God. This criminal was not forgotten by God. Jesus said, I assure you, you're going to be with me. But see, salvation isn't just something that happens at one point in our life and boom, it's done. I'm going to break down some theological things, but this is Thursday night right here. You guys good? I got it simple for you. It's filet mignon steak, the best cut, the easiest to chew. Oh, Jesus. 
You ever want to bless your pastor, just buy me a filet. Have church up in there. No, no, no. See, salvation is a process that we live out daily. You see, see, listen to this, listen to this, listen to this. Very careful. Ephesians 2.8 says, it is by grace that you have been saved through faith. Through faith. Notice it says, have been saved. Someone say, have been saved. That is what? Past tense. Stay with me. That part of salvation is a done deal. That part of salvation is a done deal. You were saved and your sins were forgiven and that happened in a moment when you called upon the name of the Lord your God. Because of the cross, you are now forgiven. You're in right standing with God. But that's not all there is to salvation. 2 Corinthians 4.16. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. Notice it says, are being renewed. What is that? What is that? Present tense. So we got past tense, and now we got present tense. I was saved, but also I am being saved. Did you hear that? You're being renewed. Why? Because what is salvation? Salvation, or salvation means, it's the Greek word sozo, means salvation for my soul, right? Healing for my body and my mind and prosperity for my life. How many know your body, your soul, which represents your mind, your will, and emotions, is not saved, sanctified yet? It's a process. That's why he said day by day you're renewing those things. That's why the Bible talks so much, especially Paul talked about it in First and Second Corinthians and Romans about renewing your mind, renewing your mind. Your mind is, 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 is it, it gets scrambly, right? It, it doesn't want to think the right thoughts and you got to renew your mind. You got to get rid of that stinking thinking. You know what I'm talking about? So salvation is, is, is past tense. It's sealed. The deal is sealed. It's present tense. Right? And then the third, check this out. Here's the craziest part. Not only was I saved, not only am I being saved day by day, but also I look forward to a time at the end of this life when I will be saved. I will be just like Jesus, perfect in my heavenly body one day. (laughs) If you can't get excited about that, then I don't know. So, 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 so. God's working some things out in me. Come on now. Present tense. Present tense. He's working some things out in me. Not everything is is perfected in here. Not everything's perfected in here, right? My salvation, it's secure. You understand that? It's secure, but, but there's some things he's working on me with. Come on, hit your neighbor and say, I know he's working on you. I know he's working on you. So, so let's look at the third part. Let's look at this third part at the end of our life. How we will be perfected. Here it is. 1 Peter 1.5. Through faith we are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. Notice this. To be revealed. It says future tense. To be revealed. Future tense. Salvation is past, present, and future. Salvation is a process. When you got married. How many married folk do I have? How many happily married folk? Please raise your hand. Keep it up. Even if you're not happily married, keep it up, honey. 
when, when, when you had the ceremony, you signed a marriage certificate, right? The pastor was there to witness it, was filed with the state. It is a marriage, what they call in the world, contract. We know it in the church as a marriage covenant. You sign that covenant. Is everything from that day forward perfect in your marriage? Or are there some things you got to work out? After the honeymoon, the honeymoon was great, right? Come on, y'all have a camp meeting. <laughs> Little Marvin Gaye. Come on now. <laughs> Marvin Gaye, get it on. Okay, okay, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. For, you, for the single people who are getting frustrated. <laughs> Frustrating the single people. Um, and, 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 and so, you know, you know, we got married, we went to the honeymoon, it was great. And then, then we come back, and, and I'm like, this is awesome. So I can keep living how I was, right? Like, it's still about Jacob, right? I mean, when she cooks, I, I tell her I don't like it that way because that's not how my mom made it. And then she tells me, if that's how you want it, have your mama make it. So then we had a few nights where I went to mama's house, and she made me dinner. I don't be mad at me. And, and then, then something, something crazy happened. You know, it's just weird. I, it probably didn't happen to you, but then Bill started showing up. <laughs> it was funny for a few moments until we realized, like, how do we pay all this? Um, now we got double the bills. <laughs> I thought this was going to be awesome. But week three and four, and, and then we realized, okay, this is a process. Right. How many parents do I have in here? How many parents? How many, you have kids? How many loved it when your child was born? I mean, it was awesome, right? But then you brought the child home and you realized, okay. Okay, those screams at two in the morning when I just went into a deep sleep are from the pits of hell. And that dirty diaper, that is not poo-poo. That is from somewhere else. <laughs> and parenting is a process. It's a process, and salvation is a process. We are not yet perfected, but we will one day. But our eternity is secure. The Bible says, now this is all Bible. Some of you are hearing this, and you're like, oh my gosh. You're flipping out right now. It's okay, don't get nervous. The Bible says, he who calls upon the name of the Lord shall be saved if, does it say if? No, it doesn't say if. Those who call upon the name of the Lord are saved. There's no ifs. When you call upon the name of the Lord, your eternity is secure. But now we've got to work some things out. And then one day we'll get into the glorious presence of our Savior. And we will be perfected just as he is in our heavenly bodies. I can't wait to see my muscles in my heavenly body. Come on, somebody. You're going to have a beach body. Girls, you're going to be in that bikini up in heaven. Holla at your boy if you see him in the streets. All right. We're having too much fun here tonight. Salvation is that past, present, and future. See, your relationship with God is this process. Yes, you are saved. You'll never be more forgiven than you are right now if you've called upon his name. You'll never be more loved than you are right now. Right? And that's why the Bible says work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Work it out. Someone say, work it out. Just go to the gym. Work it out. Work it out. 
Why do we come to church? We're working it out. Why do we read devotional? We're working it out. We're becoming more, trying to be more like him here on this earth. We'll never be perfected 100% like him, but we can work it out. Come on, we can get rid of that attitude. Yep, we can get rid of that stinking thinking. We can get rid of those wrong relationships. We're working it out. We're working it out. I'm a work in progress. Come on, hit your name and say, I'm a work in progress. Come on, hit him and tell him, but I'm worth waiting on. I'm worth waiting on. I'm working it out. I'm working it out. So it won't be complete until we see Jesus face to face and he makes us just like him. So we just don't need Jesus to remember us just once when we turn to him and have faith in him in that moment, right? We need him to remember us over and over and over and over again. The criminal said, remember me, Jesus. Remember me. And we need Jesus to remember us when we're tempted. And we need Jesus to remember us when life gets hard. And we need Jesus to remember us when we're discouraged. And we need Jesus to remember us when we're fearful. And, and he said in his word that he'll be an ever-present help in the time of need. And, and, and he will never leave us nor forsake us even when we fall. Even when we mess up, God is in your mess. Remember me. We need him to remember us when we're confused and we don't know which decision to make. We need him to remember us when our hearts are broken. We need him to remember us when death draws near. Jesus, remember us. Thief got the best news he could ever receive. When he heard, you shall be with me, that's all he needed. He needed that word of salvation. The second, the third word, rather, in the seven words of Jesus, our second word tonight, It's found in John chapter 19, verse 26. It says this in 27. When Jesus saw his mother standing there beside the disciple he loved, he said to her, dear woman, here is your son. And he said to this disciple, speaking of John, here is your mother. And from then on, the disciple took her into his home. This next word is a word of relationship. Say that with me. A word of relationship. Jesus is found, once again, thinking of others. Here on the cross, excruciating pain, thinking of others. What what was he saying here? Hey, John, this is John, right? John wrote the book, and John says, hey, by the way, I'm the disciple that Jesus loved. (laughs) John may may have been a little arrogant, but we don't know. A little bit of pride, like speaking in third person. By the way, if you speak on third, in third person on Facebook, please stop. <laughs> Drives me crazy. Here, 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 Jesus is saying, John, I need you to do something for me. I need you to take care of mom. I need you to take care of mom. This was a word of relationship. He's speaking to, as we know, in the four Gospels, the two closest people to Jesus were his mother, Mary, and John. Now remember, he had 12 guys, right? 10 to 12. Where were they? Well, they were probably below, right? No, no, they weren't there. Only one was found there, and that's John. Two, we know, betrayed him, right? Two jetted on him, like, we gone. We ain't going through this, like cross and like suffering and like nail. Nah, we're going to the buffet. We don't, we gone. One is found there with 
Jesus' mother and Mary and another Mary, a lot of Marys that were there. And here Jesus speaks this word of relationship and tells John, hey, I need you to take care of mom. Do it for mom. Someone say, do it for mom. See, what Jesus is speaking to us today is family relationships matter to Jesus and they should matter to us. I know some of your family members are crazy. They on cuckoo medicine. We understand that. But they still family. And Jesus tells us that you may not always agree with them, but you need to take care of them. He said, take care of my mom when I'm gone. John, she's now your mom. That's what he tells her. Did you see the scripture? He says, now she's your mom. Treat her like she's your mom. Take care of mom. Jesus wants us to know that he can identify with the pain of family and relationships. He can identify with leaving family behind. John and his mother were his closest and he was getting ready to leave them behind. And whether we see it or not, we need relationships and friendships in our lives. Sometimes the people that God brings into our lives aren't necessarily blood-related family, but they're more family to us than our blood-related. And God will bring people into our lives like that, and he'll bring strategic relationships, and they're part of our growing on this journey following Christ. You say, well, I, I, just, I, I don't have any friends here. I've been coming here for four months. I've been coming here for a year. I don't have any friends. Well, in order to have friends, the Bible says you have to make yourself friendly. So maybe if you would start with a smile. That's step one. Step two is put a breath mint in your mouth. Step two. Step three is introduce yourself to someone. Tell them your name, and then they'll tell you their name. And that's your first friend. You see, see, I firmly believe this. I firmly believe this, that community is built in the context of the local church and that the greatest friendships and relationships that God has for you are right in this place right here. And, and some of you haven't encountered those relationships yet, but you will as you step out and realize that Jesus thinks friendships and relationships are important. They are important. I can look at a few close people in my life and say they are so vital to my walk with the Lord. There's individuals that I'll call. There's my friend, Pastor Dave, man. He's my best friend, and I'll call him every week we talk. And let me tell you what, I value his friendship. I value it. Sometimes I'll call him and I'll celebrate with him, but sometimes I call him, it's not a celebration. It's like, brother, I'm struggling, pray for me. And sometimes he says stuff that I really don't want to hear. And sometimes he corrects me. And sometimes he says, you didn't deal with it that way. But that's the kind of friendships that cause me to grow. If I just got people pat me on the back every day, you're the greatest ever. You know, I, no, you need individuals. Now, I don't need you coming up and criticizing me every week. You're not in that circle. <laughs> I need you patting me on the back, telling me what a good word that was. <laughs> telling me how it changed your life. Bringing me a million dollar check to build a new building. Come on, somebody. But there are certain people that are in your inner circle, in your core, that are influencers in your walk with the Lord. And if you don't have those individuals that can tell you that your stuff stinks, tell you you got a boogie hanging from your nose. See, some of you ain't got people that are transparent with you. So you're, you're lonely and you're searching. 
and you don't have anybody that can tell you that attitude sucked. You know what? The way you talked to her was not right. Come on. Everybody's stuff stinks once in a while. And you need someone who's bold enough who God brings into your life. Now, it needs to be a, a mutual agreement that they're in your life for that purpose. Don't just start walking up to people and say, your stuff stinks. <laughs> that takes time to build that kind of relationship. Do you hear me? It's 810 where everybody's good, right? Okay, because I'm not even close to being done. Matt wants to give another offering. <laughs> listen, listen, listen to me, listen to me. Jesus gives this word of relationship, and he's trying to tell us that godly relationships matter, that, that, that there are people, wait, people at Fuel waiting to connect with you. There are friendships that you need in your walk, in your journey. Some of you, this is new. Man, we got a lot of new, new people to the church and a lot of new people getting saved, and that's awesome. And you know what? You're going to realize that there's some old friends that you're going to have to cut off. You're going to realize that, man, I'm going in a different direction now. And I know we've been boys for 10, 15, 20 high school buddies. I know we've been friends. You know, we've been hanging out. We've been doing this. We work together. We do this. But man, you're going to feel that, that separation that God's going to bring. And he's going to bring some godly relationships that are going to help you on your journey following Christ. You need to be open to them. You need to be ready because God's going to do it, because the best relationships I've found are those built in the context of the local church. Amen. Amen. Fourth word, Jesus speaks it. Matthew 27, verse 46, he says, in about three o'clock, Jesus called out with a loud voice, Eli, Eli, lama, and I'm not even going to try to say that word. It's unknown tongues, which means, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? This fourth word is a word of abandonment. Listen to this as we wrap it up. The Bible says that in verse 45, right before this scripture in 46, that there was darkness all over the land. Now, what time was it? What time was it? Three o'clock. But there was darkness all over the land. That the sky got dark. That everything got dark in Nobody knows what caused this sudden darkness in the middle of the day over the land, but scholars say this. It was portraying what was going on in Jesus' spirit. You see, the Son of God felt as if the Son, S-U-N, of God's favor had been eclipsed by the sin of the world. Think about this. God the Father, the one who... Jesus was connected to through eternity. This connection was in some sense suspended and the wrath of God temporarily laid upon him for our sins, for your sins. And there was this abandonment that Jesus felt for a moment. Why? Because he had to. He had to. He voluntarily laid his life down, but he said, I have to feel this abandonment. I have to feel this separation for a moment so that I can pray, pay the price for all of humanity. Darkness covered the earth and Jesus was separated for the very first time from his father. What was it like to be separated from his father? We will never know. But we should always be grateful 
because Jesus accepted the separation voluntarily for our sakes so that we may never feel abandoned by our Heavenly Father, so that we may never feel a sense of abandonment, that we can assuredly know that our God will never leave us. He will never forsake us. There'll never be a moment that God is not right there. In the brokenness of our life, in the valleys of life's pain, Jesus, our Heavenly Father, is right there. See, on the cross, Jesus was experiencing the consequences of his own decision to give himself up for you and I, to become the sacrificial lamb. He had to take our sin upon himself. Paul said it like this, God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that in him we might become the righteousness of God. He said, God took him, Jesus, the perfect lamb, the perfect sacrifice who knew no sin, to become sin. For that moment, he was separated from God, but it was only a moment. But there was a separation, and that separation took place so that you and I would never have to feel abandoned in our life. Doesn't matter if your earthly father abandoned you. Doesn't matter if your earthly family left you. When my father and my mother forsake me, the Lord will take me up. The Lord, he'll never leave me. My heavenly father is always there. I'm never separated from him. David said, even if I make my bed next to hell, God, you're there. Even if I go running, doing my own thing, God, you're there. I remember all the times I was running. God was there. God was there when you turned your back on him. He was there. He protected you. He was there. This, my friend, is why Jesus agreed to be separated from his father for a while so that he can make us holy and acceptable to God. So now we know that no matter what we face in life, the storms, the trials, whatever the devil throws at us, we never have to wonder if our father has forsaken us. He will never forsake us. Stand with me tonight. A word of salvation a word of relationship, and a word of abandonment. Hey, thanks for listening today. And maybe you're out there and maybe you feel far from God today. Maybe life has thrown you a curveball. You've taken some wrong turns. You've messed up. I'm here to tell you about God's love for your life. You know, it's real and it's for you. And, and no matter what you've done, no matter where you've gone, God is there. His love is unconditional. And, and the Bible says that if you just confess with your mouth, believe in your heart, you're saved. And I'm going to lead you through a prayer. And I just believe that if you say this prayer and mean it with your heart, the Bible says you're saved. And I want to encourage you to tell somebody about this decision. But just wherever you're at, just say, God, I ask you to forgive me of my sins. Come into my life. Change me. In Jesus' name. It's simple as that. And I encourage you to find a good local church. If if you can get to Fuel Church, get here. God is moving. God is doing some great things in the lives and families of the people that come here. But find a good church where you can grow in God. Until next time, 
God bless you. Have a great week.